ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Relationships Rule Podcast. My guest today is Meredith Bell. And first, I'm just going to say hi, Meredith, before I get into it. Hi, Janice. It's great to be here with you. Thank you. We had a bit of a hiccup making this happen, but now we're here and we decided it's because this is the right time for it to happen. So welcome to the podcast. I want to tell my audience a little bit about you. And uh, Meredith is co-founder and president of Performance Support Systems, which is a global software company that provides assessment and development tools for the workplace. She's also an expert in leader and team communications, the author of two books and the host of the Grow Strong Leaders uh, podcast. She has worked with thousands of leaders, entrepreneurs, and human resource professionals to successfully implement her company's products. And her, her latest book is called Connect With Your Team, Mastering the Top 10 Communication Skills with her business partner, Dr. Dennis Coates. And we'll probably dig into that a little bit um, very quickly. But I wanted just to ask you, you, I think you and I may have talked about this when we first spoke, but I feel as though we're kind of in the same, well, you're way more um, uh, experienced in, in, than I am in, in the area that you that you work in, but we're about the same vintage in the sense that I see that we have wisdom. And I know that wisdom comes with um, having been in, in a field for a long time and being passionate still about what you do is what keeps you going. So how did you get to here? Like, is it always been like one path or have you been other things along the way? That other things, other things. I started out in public education as an elementary school teacher. Oh so did I. <laughs> and realized after a few years, I didn't care for the routine of doing the same lesson plans, right? Oh. I, didn't, I didn't realize the need for variety was so strong in me until I got into it because I had always pictured myself being a teacher. Uh, so to add that spice, I got my master's and moved into administration at the school board office level where I was supervising different programs and different teachers. And after three different school systems, Janice, I realized, gee, I don't do politics very well and I don't do bureaucracy at all. So I left after that, those years, and that was 1982, so I go way back. But I didn't, this should be encouraging to any of your listeners who've ever ventured out into something new and different. I had not one bit of business experience to my name. I had never taken a course. I had never done anything. And this was, of course, way pre-internet. So I decided, though, that the thing I always loved, teaching, 
I could do with organizations helping. And because the thing I'd always loved was communication. How, how can we help people play nicely with each other at work? And so I started doing some programs locally and I used my teaching and speaking skills to do presentations in front of groups that then brought me clients. So that's what I was doing as a solopreneur for a number of years. And then I met Denny Coates um, more than 30 years ago now, and he and I started collaborating. And so we were we decided to merge our two firms together. That was another big step was, you know, are we compatible enough to work together long term? And the answer turned out to be yes. We brought in a third business partner at that same time to manage all the logistical, operational, financial parts of the business while he and I did consulting and training. And then in early in the early 90s, we were looking for a 360 feedback tool. There weren't very many back then to use for leadership development. So that was when we made our next big jump, which was deciding we would be a software company with zero experience in that industry. But we just had this faith that we could you know, hire the right developer and then create a program that was more customizable and more economical. So we could kind of democratize this service for all levels in the organization. So, yeah, it's been an adventure. It has not been, you know, the same thing. And of course, as the economy has gone up and down, we've had to pivot and make changes to, you know, adjust to that. And then recently with the publication of our books, that's been another um, ex exploration or experiment, you might say, how can we get these books in the hands of more people? Uh, first of all, I cannot believe that you were, what you just said at the very beginning is like my background. It's like, I started as an elementary teacher. I always wanted to teach school. And I'm only saying this just to share with you really about how the beginnings were so parallel. And I didn't like the bureaucracy. I didn't like the, the, the boringness that's not a word but um every day going to the same lunchroom and god forbid you sat in the wrong seat because some teacher who was so set in their ways always sat in that seat it was like and i was young right so um yes it was i loved teaching i taught for five years and then thought i wasn't going back again but my marital status changed and I need to go back to work. And then I taught again for eight years. But by then I was like, no, I'm out of here. I, I can't do this anymore. And what triggered it for me was um, the politics here where I live that turned teachers into a union. And I did not want anything to do with that. So politics was not my thing, but I knew I didn't feel it didn't feel right. Ironically, I married a teacher. So, you know, I, it's always been in my world in that sense. But I always knew teaching was my thing. And when I left teaching, I didn't have any business sense either. And I'd never been in business. And I played bridge at that time with some women. And one of them said to me, hey, um, do you want to, would you be interested in this training job at the telephone company? And I'm like, sure, I don't know. Is it part-time? Because I had a little baby at the time and I was thinking to go back. And she said, well, just give me your resume. And I said, resume? I was a teacher. What do I know about resumes? Really? And so that's how that started. And so I worked as a trainer for the, a corporate trainer for the next several years and then was dumped because contractor, I was a contractor and 
I didn't want to be an employee. And that's when my business career started in as a solopreneur. So it's really interesting, though, for the same reasons, but yet we're still teaching in our way. Mm -hmm. way That's what the primary thing is that we do. So I I didn't realize that that was that aligned. So thank you for sharing that. Um, In your book, um, Connect with Your Team, you talk about um, the 10 top communication skills. And of course, communication skills are relationship building skills right and so mm-hmm. all in one in the same and i'm not going to read them all but what i want to do is talk to you, ask you to talk about a couple of them because um the first one i'm going to read a quote from i think it's from your book most uh, stephen covey quote uh quote quote most people do not listen with the intent to understand they listen with the intent to speak and listen to understand is is the number one communication skill that that you have on your list here that helps foster engagement and and so on and i always remember as a teacher of young children kids with their hand up while somebody's talking because they were wanting to speak not that they were still listening to the other child Mm -hmm. and as adults we do that as well and so that is a super super um important skill to learn properly so talk to me about listening to understand not listening and waiting to speak uh, well i'd love that question and i love the way you framed it because even though as adults we're not sitting there raising our hand we're doing the same thing internally which is waiting for them to stop so we can start right and of course, the problem with that is we miss out on so much of what the other person is saying. We're only partially paying attention to what they're saying. And if we can understand and approach a conversation with someone else with the attitude of everyone wants to be understood, everyone wants to be appreciated and valued. And one of the greatest gifts we can give to someone else is our attention. And so blocking out any electronic distractions that might be there for us. In fact, when I'm on a phone call, a business phone call, unless I'm taking notes or something, I close my eyes as a way of just blocking out the visual stimulation that's around me. Otherwise, it's just too tempting, you know, to look at something. And so that's just an example. One of the things about listening that to me is so critical is what what is a way that I can empathize with this person? And that requires paying attention to the feeling behind what they're saying, whether they overtly state I'm angry or I'm upset or I'm frustrated. What are we sensing from them? So we're not just listening to the words. We're, you know, if it's a in-person or face-to-face, we're paying attention to their body language, their facial expressions, their tone of voice. All of that is like a total package mm-hmm. of the message that they're giving us. And I think this is so important when there's someone that we have an emotional connection with, whether it's a spouse or a child or a coworker or our boss, you know, we have these feelings tied in. And if we can kind of set our own feelings aside long enough to really pay attention to what is this person feeling and then reflect it back, not parroting, 
what they say, but saying, you know, it really sounds like you're frustrated about what happened or are you frustrated? You know, we can ask or we can state it and then just say, do I have that right? You know, am I reading you correctly here? So we don't make assumptions. That's like another that. thing that can get yes. us in trouble. Yes, I like that um, That checking in piece after, uh, am I on the right track? Does that make sense to you? Because it's funny, you just brought me back to when I was teaching or training at the telephone company. And um, one of the things I taught was a soft skills uh, and I'll get back to soft skills in a second, um, of course, and, and uh, one of the segments was about listening, and I used to um, do a thing about dealing with difficult customers and, you know, how you had to listen and listen for the things that aren't being said as well, and quite mm -hmm. often, of course, back then it was on the phone as well, you didn't have the, the body language piece, and so um, to me, that's a skill that well, I was going to say it's an art, but it, it's a skill that can be learned, but it is hard work to get to that. And I know that you talk about um, um, making something a habit. And um, I think in your book, you talked about the um, uh, Stephen Covey uh, quadrant, the doing things for a certain amount, amount of time so that it's uh, first, it's what unconscious incompetence mm -hmm. and then unconscious competence and so on and uh there's four quadrants and i've used that a lot with uh one of my mentors talks about it all, that all the time and he talks about um when you tie your shoelaces and he does this this whole episode on stage about tying your shoelaces and if you do it the way you were taught you, you don't even think about it anymore it's unconscious competence mm -hmm. um but if you switch which way you do it, like maybe you do bunny ears like you were taught as a kid and you weren't doing that as an adult or just crossing it, the laces over the opposite way, it makes it so different and you have mm -hmm. to learn about it. And so learning a new skill like listening for specific things, there's a there's a real, um, I guess, graduation in, in you have to work at it to make it work. Do you want to speak yeah. That, yeah, because the challenge, Janice, is we don't approach the skill of listening when we're adults. We're not blank slates. We already have habits developed around listening. And so these are hardwired in our brains. They're, that's why they are unconscious competence, as you say. We do them automatically because we've got these Think of it as like a super highway that we've created over time. We've run that path so many times. It's, you know, super paved. And now when we try to introduce a different way of doing it, it's like going down a gravel road or a dirt road. It's going to be bumpy, uncomfortable, and we can get derailed because we've got this competition going on with the old way. Right. And so if we can just recognize that and let people know if we've made a commitment to improve in a specific behavior or skill like listening, if we can solicit the people around us to help us and remind us, you know, lovingly or caringly, then it helps us realize when we're hitting the mark and when we're not. But if we're just trying to plot along by ourselves and we're not asking for any feedback about how am I doing, then we don't always know if we're making real improvements or not. But I think it's helpful to be patient with ourselves and recognize it's going to take time. It's like you've had a coach 
to, you know, or pro that is teaching you how to hit a tennis ball differently or the mm -hmm. golf ball differently. Your other way of doing it is is what you've known and just them showing you isn't going to be enough to change it. You have to practice, practice, practice until the new way becomes more comfortable. And that's not easy for anybody in this day and age in particular, and especially people I say like me who are a bit I never thought of myself as ADD before I uh, when I was doing, you know, a job at the telephone company or teaching school. But I'll tell you, as an entrepreneur, I get turned in so many different directions. You said something earlier about, um, you know, not liking to wanting variety. I think you said you wanted mm -hmm. variety and I do, too. And so I get pulled to something new and exciting just to see what it's about and then i don't follow through or i you know never get that far because i'm on to the next thing the squirrel syndrome you know mm -hmm. that's that's when it's difficult i think to pull yourself in and say no seriously i have to learn to do this better or i want to do this better Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, my granddaughter has been the lesson for me because you have to be in the present, paying attention when you are with her, because, you know, if you're not, anything can happen. But that's right. I have two grandchildren now, too. So that's another aspect of uh, similarity there. And yeah. but it's true. And, and that being present, fully present, because we so many of us, I think it's unusual to find somebody that can just focus their attention, but it does take practice. We can do it. Mm -hmm. And it's that commitment to that other person, to the relationship. You know, I love the title of your podcast because when we put the relationship first, mm -hmm. then we're willing to do some of those things that might be a little uncomfortable, mm -hmm. but in the long run, they really strengthen the relationship with that specific individual because what we do when we listen well is we're communicating i value you mm. you're important to me without having to say those words they feel it and that goes a long way to creating a strong bond yes it does um i heard you speaking uh with oh now i've forgotten his name uh just a minute Chris Doris, mm -hmm. his podcast, and um, he he kind of talked about that with you a little bit. I didn't. I'm I'm being honest. I didn't listen to the entire podcast because I was doing it in bed last night. But I did hear enough to know that you know people see you as that person that um, shows that you care, and that's mm -hmm. so important. You need to show people that you care, but it has to be authentic. And, and oh sure yeah and he definitely mentioned that in in conversation with you that um that you about serving people and showing that you care right am mm -hmm. i the right there? yeah absolutely yeah i think that that um in fact i know in in your show you like to ask people for their favorite quote i'll jump in and and tell you right now because it's relevant to our conversation Absolutely. i learned it in this book called the prosperous coach by steve chandler and rich litvin and it's a great book not just for coaches because i'm not a professional paid coach but anyone who has the opportunity to ever serve in some kind of coaching capacity with someone else could find that valuable but this is the line that just popped out at me 
and it has stayed with me now for years and it is very relevant to this and it's it's having this kind of attitude when you approach a conversation with someone how can i serve this person so powerfully that they never forget our conversation for the rest of their life wow that's huge and that is what you said on that podcast too now mm -hmm. i remember say it again mm -hmm. Yes. How can I serve this person so powerfully that they never forget our conversation for the rest of their life? Now, we're not trying to have that kind of conversation in every conversation we have, but when we sense that someone needs to talk to us, if we can adopt that mindset, it completely eliminates us sitting on the edge of our chair waiting for our turn to speak and talk about ourselves because that's not the kind of thing that person anyone would remember for the rest of their life. And so what would it take for them to feel that way? And part of it is listening deeply to really get, as you said, the meaning of what they're saying, and then maybe asking questions that get them to probe further around things they might not have thought of before. So it could be that they get a little uncomfortable because you're brave enough to ask a question that others haven't asked or make an observation, you know? It seems like, because I've done this before with someone saying, you know, it sounds like you're holding yourself back. You're playing small because you're, it looks like you're afraid of X, Y, Z. So it's not that you're just, you know, saying, oh yes, oh yes, kind of thing. It's that you're really causing the person to think and feel that you are valuing them so much, you're investing time to find out more about what makes them tick and how you can help them. And that's where the word serve comes in because it's not about me impressing them. It's about me finding a way to be of help to them mm -hmm. in some way when I learn what it is they might be struggling with or what they need. It's just a huge connection in building a strong relationship. Absolutely. That's just so powerful. And I know that we do think so much alike because I know that um, I love having new conversations with people and quite quickly can find, you know, pull things out of them that they'll sometimes say, gee, no one's ever asked me that before, or wow, that's, you know, an interesting thing or whatever. And like yesterday, I was talking to someone um, who was referred to me for my podcast. And I always like to have that conversation first to see if there's a fit. And I'm two minutes into the conversation, we knew that we, we connected just the way we think. And I felt that way <clears throat> a little bit with you. But then I had then I had second thoughts Then I wasn't sure. I thought you might be, I'm, I'm being totally honest here. I thought you might be too smart for me. I know, I know. It's just sometimes I think maybe too corporate or too book smart, if you know what I'm trying to say. But if I really put um, my, my, mm, I don't know what the word is, but if I come at it from the real place of my heart, I'll find out properly what it needs to be. And I did. And I was so glad because you are a wealth of information. You are very um, authentic. 
And I just feel it. I feel that from you. And it's not so much the book learning or the corporate clients or the books that you've written. It's what's coming from your heart. And that's what I'm really resonating with totally. So I thank you for those comments. Um, so on that top 10, I mean, we could talk about listening forever and I might have to have you come back. I did share with you, didn't I? Do you know what the um, what an anagram of listen is? No. Mm -mm. Silent. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't know, <laughs> but it's kind of interesting, I thought. Okay. Um, of the 10 relationship building skills that are in your book, the one I want to talk about, well, there's two together, really, but express appreciation. Oh, and I'm so glad you picked that one. <laughs> oh, really? oh, okay. Well, because that's where the world I live in, and, and I try to teach yes. clients how to show appreciation because it comes back tenfold and because that's what it's all about so go ahead why why are you glad i did that because we don't do enough of that we we don't hear enough of it we don't give enough of it and so when you can do that well you will stand out so i'm you know preaching to the choir that's in terms okay. of the, what you teach um but here's the thing and I learned this years ago from Dan Sullivan, who is the founder of Strategic Coach. I was talking about this yes. yeah, on a podcast about just the definition of the word appreciate and the fact that it, when we think of that word, one of the meanings is to increase in value. When we think about stocks appreciating or land appreciating. And so one of the things that um, he suggested that I have done, and I highly recommend others do this too, is if you're getting ready to have a conversation with someone, especially someone you've had issues with in the past, or you anticipate, oh, this could be a, you know, a tough conversation. If you can take a few minutes before the conversation and simply write down some of the things that you value about this person. You know, what are, because everyone has good qualities, everyone has strengths. And so if we can focus on those before we speak with them, then what happens is we bring a whole different energy to yeah. the conversation that they pick up on. And so what we can end up doing is not just appreciating, increasing their value in our own minds, by the way we interact with them, we increase their value in their own mind. Mm -hmm. And that is huge because, you know, we all have these voices in our heads that criticize us for not being enough of this or doing enough of that. And it's like, we wear ourselves down. And so when someone else can behave with us in a way that helps us feel more valuable, then that is a huge builder of self-esteem and a, again a huge connection between the two people so looking for opportunities to genuinely express appreciation for something someone has done it accumulates over time so it's not artificial it's not phony and it's not vague so you don't just say oh you're the best or you're wonderful you say you know when you noticed in the meeting that Janice hadn't spoken up yet and asked her to you know, contribute her ideas, that was extremely valuable because she brought up what I think was the most important idea in the whole meeting. 
you know, for someone to be acknowledged for that reinforces that's a behavior we value. And so they'll look for more opportunities to exhibit that behavior. So as a leader or a parent or whatever the situation might be, if we can affirm what someone else has done in a genuine way, it, it helps them feel good about the situation and about us. So it pays off in many ways. It's very practical in addition to being rewarding. You made me think of something when you said as a parent as well, because um, there was a situation where I see in one of my daughters that she's quite introverted and she doesn't like to, you know, make a big display or whatever. And um, she was in university and um, I had just done some personal development work and, you know, uh, what do they call it? Um, um, like when, um, when you're climbing poles and doing all these oh mm -hmm. yeah i forget what they're called anyway i did this thing that i never thought i would do and um and then she went off to some team building thing for her basketball team and i thought oh my god she'll never do this 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 or this because it's so scary and i was scared and climbed to the top of this pole 50 foot pole and i was supposed to stand on the top of it but i couldn't i i'm too afraid of heights but i got to the top because that's what i said i was going to do then i had to let go to come down so she gets the same opportunity and she she called me after right and i said so how did it go? She said, well, I did it, mom. I went to the top of the pole and I stood on top. And I, she thought, I said, oh my God. I said, how did you manage to do that? She said, well, I thought if you could do it, I could do it. And then I basically worked that with her for months after. And, you know, like, don't forget, remind yourself that you stood it, that you can do anything, right? Mm -hmm. Just, I don't know why that made me think of that, but it's sure. So well, it's, you know, what it, um, to me, one of the big um, insights from what you just shared is this idea that we can, when we can affirm what someone has done, that reminds them that they can draw on that success when they face another situation. So the fact that we've affirmed that was really great that you did that builds up this, the value of that accomplishment. Totally. In their own minds. So um, expressing appreciation and pulling those things out of people makes me think of probably one of the last couple of questions I'm going to ask you, but it's my favorite and you probably know I'm going to ask it, but it's about curiosity because curiosity is my favorite word. And I think that I know I'm always curious enough to keep asking questions of people to be able to pull them out of themselves. And I don't think everybody can do that. So my question is two part. One, what are you curious about these days? And second part is, do you think curiosity is innate or learned? And well, let me answer the second one. Yeah, the second one first, because having had a child and now two grandchildren, curiosity is just always there. They're always looking at exploring this and looking for that. So this wanting to discover, try out, I think is built into all of us. It's why kids want to learn to walk, you know, crawl first, then walk, and then learn how to speak and all the other things that go with it. It's this desire to learn. 
And so I, I, I think what happens is we get it squelched too often by, you know, being correct or not giving the right answers. There's all kinds of things sure. that tend to, you know, drive that out of us. But I think it's always there. It just might be latent at some times. Yeah. And I, I'm like you, it's one of my favorite words. It's one of my favorite things to do. Of course, it derails us at times, Janice. That's where that squirrel mind comes in because, <laughs> yeah. oh, I want to learn about that. Oh, I want to learn about that. Yeah. So it's where, you know, we have to really hold on to focus within the um, realm of curiosity about a certain thing and not get too sidetracked. What I'm really curious about these days is because we've recently written these books and we, uh, Denny actually wrote equivalent books for parents, how oh. to connect with your kid mm -hmm. and parents coaching parents. So we have a goal to get a million copies of these books into the hands of people in the workplace and parents in homes. So I'm curious about how we can do that. Okay. <laughs> so I'm experimenting with a lot of different um, approaches and things to do. And so having that kind of curiosity mindset instead of pressure of finding what is the one right thing that's going to really do it for us. It's like, well, it's all an experiment. So we're going to try this. We're going to also try this. We're going to try that and see where we get the greatest traction. And what that does is it prevents me from judging myself and saying, oh, you're a failure. That didn't work. <laughs> and it's just saying, okay, that's evidence. That's data that we can now use to decide what might work better. So I'm very excited and curious about that whole project because well, I think it's the always end result is really improved relationships, which circles back to what you're all about. Absolutely. At the same time, though, it's it's uh, keeping things fresh for you and, and a new challenge and a new a new um, audience to uh, to see your work. Now, we'll talk about that offline, but I, you know, there's another quote um, that I saw in your book that is so it's so well, it's so Yogi Berra, right? Because that's who said it. You can see a lot just by listening. I mean, didn't he have just the best quotes ever? He did. He did. No one goes there anymore because it's so crowded. That's another one I always loved, right? So yeah, it, it, I don't know. They're just so self-evidently amazing. So last question, what advice, what's the best piece of, of advice you can give to my audience today about relationship building and, you know, I wouldn't say in the workplace per se, but with the people that they work with and, and you know, their clients and so on. Mm -hmm. I think it's a question to ask ourselves because this is where I kind of am in my own development. Who do I need to be in this moment with this person? Perfect. Who do I need to be? So it does, you know, it that doesn't negate the need to master a skill. But it does speak to our ability to be flexible in any given moment. And so even if I've had something upsetting happen right before I have this encounter with this client, let's say, I can let that go because my focus is I want to be the best possible vendor, you know, and partner for this person in this moment. And so I think affirming who we are, who we're capable of being 
is as a really key piece of that. And so we're all capable of being really effective communicators and connectors with another human being. A lot of it has to do with what we say to ourselves before we enter that conversation with the person. Oh, there's a whole other conversation that has to happen now because of that. Absolutely. I think that's so true. I mean, wow. Um, yeah, I think about, you know, uh, going into a, um, a, vet, a prospecting kind of conversation where you're hungry and you're desperate and that just shows, right? Mm -hmm. Versus going into a conversation with the idea of, you know, who will, how can I be the best person? What do I, who do I need to be right now? And how can I bring the best value and support to this person? Mm -hmm. It changes everything. It, it, if you're not desperate, if you're not worried about, you know, the almighty dollar, but you're worried, you're focused more on caring about how you can serve those people. I think that's, that's so important. And, and it, it isn't, well, I've just noticed that my world has shifted when I when I made that shift. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, Janice, what it really boils down to is our ego, because it's our ego that's worried about what people are going to think about us, what we're going to say, you know, am I going to come across, you know, it goes back to this whole thing of the need to impress mm -hmm. and, and that feeling of I'm not enough, so I've got to look like I'm enough instead of saying i am enough i am great just as i am and i am here for this person a hundred percent and so what is how can i be here for them and that's where that question comes in for me how can i serve this person so powerfully yeah. you know and you can reword it in a way that energizes you you know how can i serve this person so powerfully that they are compelled to say yes yeah. because the, i'm so excited about what i have to offer and they sense it and they and they like working with me they like this energy so what kind of energy can i bring it all you know those are all related questions that can get us thinking about how how we are in this moment amazing this is all great stuff. And I thank you so much for being on the show today. I know I have to have you back because there's much more we have to discuss. And your uh, books, and I've got all the information I need to put on the show notes if people want to find you, they certainly can, and your books and everything else, So, and your podcast. So I encourage people to reach out. And if something that uh, Meredith said today um, resonated with you, please reach out to her, check out her books, check out her podcast. And remember, thank you for being here and to stay connected and be remembered. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share out this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes. 
And remember to stay connected and be remembered.